Well, good afternoon, my friends. It is blazing hot here in Washington. I'm taping this, um, and uh, it is over 100 degrees, <laughs> which is crazy. But this is podcast number 350 for Thursday, August 12th. Um, and so I hope you're doing well. Um, I want you to go to Mark and uh, go to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I, I, I often forget to remind you of our key verse Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's a scripture we should put to memory. Because we need to understand why Jesus came. He didn't come to be a social worker. He didn't come um, to set up a kingdom, uh, earthly kingdom. He came to give his life and to serve. And as we get to chapter 14, we're getting into some pretty intense stuff. Uh, We're going to start in verse 10. Um... And we will not get all the way through this portion, but we're going to try to get through a few scriptures today. I'm going to kind of slow it down a little bit because there's so much here. And I'm going to invite Wearsby out of his commentary to really share with us because there is an intense amount of stuff happening as we get closer to Jesus giving his life. Let's first of all read uh, a couple verses. Exodus, excuse me, Mark chapter 14. Exodus is next. Mark chapter 14, verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, that's important. He was not separate. He was not on his own. He was accepted as one of the 12. Uh, Went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and uh, promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. So there's two things, two times. He goes to them before um, to betray. And then he comes back and he's looking for the opportunity to betray him. So don't confuse these two things. He's already went to um, them and to prepare um, to um, betray Jesus, because Jesus is not who he thinks he is. People have said, well, maybe he was trying to force his hand. I don't know, but I believe that, here's what I believe, Judas Judas betrayed him. He sold him out for the price of a slave. The price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. And then we get into um, the the Passover with the disciples. Um, this is an imperative, imperative that we understand this because the, the Passover was not something brand new. The Passover is thousands of years old. The Passover is all the way back to the book of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 12, we won't go there. There's uh, from chapter 12 on, um, we talk about the, the sacrifice and we talk about what's about to happen. Because in chapter 11 of Exodus, we have the final plague foretold. And in order for the Jews to to be safe, they had to sacrifice a spotless lamb. They had to place the blood on the, the, the doorposts of the door, and then the death angel would pass over them, and that's where they got the term Passover. And truly, when Jesus gave his life, that was the final Passover. The Jews to this day celebrate but that would be the, the truthfully the final Passover because he was the ultimate once and for all sacrifice. Uh, let me let me read a little bit about Wearsby what Wearsby says, and I hope I hope this is something that will just kind of grab your heart like it did mine. The Passover lamb was selected on the tenth day of the month Nisan or um, March April. He was it was examined for blemishes and then slain on the fourteenth day of the month 
And you'll find that in Exodus chapter 12. You can read that this week, verses 3 through 6. The, the lamb had to be slain in the temple precincts and the supper eaten within the Jerusalem city limits. For the Jews, the Passover feast was a memorial of a past victory, but Jesus would institute a new supper that would be the memorial of his death. Jesus um, celebrated Passover with them, but he instituted the Lord's Supper, which we will see in just a few verses. Might not get there today, but in a few verses. So he celebrates Passover looking backwards, and then he institutes um, the Lord's Supper, Supper so that we would have a memorial of what his sacrifice would be um, for us. Um, let's, let's go on in these verses. Uh, verse 12. And on the first day of unleavened bread... When they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, to him where will you go? Uh, you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover. And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a water jar will meet you. Follow him. Now, men didn't carry water water jars, so it wouldn't have been that hard to find him. But, but uh, probably, probably this was pre-planned. Uh, it could have been just Jesus uh, knowing what would happen, but it was probably uh, more likely that he pre-planned it. Whenever he enters, say to uh, the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Now, um, since it was the center of the city, and this is Mark, there's a good chance that this was actually Mark's house, Mark's, uh, Mark's family's home. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. Now remember, although Mark wasn't officially one of his disciples, his family was very tied into uh, what Jesus was doing. And uh, the, 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 uh, the home that his parents lived in was important, not just to uh, Jesus, but also to Paul. Look at Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. Uh, James is killed, Peter's imprisoned, uh, Peter is rescued, and then we get uh, verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, John Mark, whose other name was Mark, uh, where many were gathered together and were praying. So they're in the middle of the city. This was a gathering place. So there's a pretty good chance that he was probably celebrating um, this Passover and uh, what would be the Lord's Supper um, in the home uh, of Mark. Now, the Passover lamb we just talked about, and we'll, you can read that for yourself in Exodus chapter 12. There were so many things that had to go into making sure that this this was a, bl a, bl a blameless and, uh, or, or excuse me, a blemishless um, lamb. Had to be perfect, and it was selected and everything had to go according to the plan. And who set that up? God set that up. God set the standard for the Passover lamb. And I believe the standard for the Passover lamb was a foreshadow of this blameless Christ, Jesus Christ, who would give his life for us. Uh, let's look at John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. Uh, John written by the apostle John. And now we look at John the Baptist here in verse 29 saying, the next day he, meaning John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John, through 
I believe the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. He um, recognizes Jesus for who he is. And he says he's the Passover lamb. He's the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are really uh, as you really are unleavened for Christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed Christ our passover lamb has been pre uh sacrificed John the Baptist says it and now we have uh Paul here in Corinthians and now let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 right after Hebrews and James you get 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 through 24 says this, um, this, talking about Jesus, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Uh, excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter 2, verse 21. Sorry, I make mistakes all the time. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 21. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. So we have John um, recording what John the Baptist would say, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 sentence, uh, saying Jesus is our Passover Lamb. And now we have Peter saying that he is the Lamb of God. He was slain for us. He took upon himself our sins so that you and I could go free. <clears throat> go free. Um, the reality of all of this should begin to sink into us that none of this we could do on our own. That your salvation is not based on your good works. There won't, be, there won't be enough good works. Our good works follow our salvation as proof of our salvation, but we do not gain our salvation by our good works. Now, in between uh, uh, Mark uh, chapter 14, verses 17 and 18, um, there is... Uh, the the cleansing, the washing of the feet. Mark doesn't cover it. Now remember, each just each of the books are different. They record what was uh, meant to be recorded by them. God superintended what they wrote. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen because Mark doesn't mention it. There were other things that happened that were mentioned in other books. But go to John chapter thirteen, and we will finish with John chapter thirteen, looking at a few verses here. Um, it's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And again, this is when this happens. It happens uh, as Jesus is doing um, uh, the Passover meal with them. And then he gets up from the table and um, he begins uh, to do something that only a servant does. And remember Mark ten forty five. he came not to be served, but to serve. So let's read these verses. It's going to be verses 1 through 20, and then I may have a couple comments, and then we'll call it a day. 
Uh, John chapter 13, picture this. One of the things that I've learned is um, to when you sit down and you read a book, picture yourself actually being in the story. You're sitting there. And now it says in verse uh, one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, remember he came from the Father, John chapter one and verse 14, he would return to the Father, John chapter 17, verse 5, back to the glory that he had before um, before time. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, meaning his disciples. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Judas Iscariot Simon's son, to betray him. This is already, it's going to happen. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. He's, he's, he's just got to be blowing the disciples' minds. What in the world is Jesus doing? Verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Can you imagine as he began to pour water in the basin, he's like, what, 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 they're like, what are, we, what, are we, what are we witnessing here? What are we witnessing? Verse six, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Wow. In front of everyone. And then Simon Peter, as usual, takes it to the nth degree. Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. Because, they, you know, they traveled all day. They were traveling the streets. Um, animals were in the streets. Sewage ran. I mean, it was horrible conditions, okay? this is, People said they wanted to live there. No, not me. Um, it was unsanitary. Life expectancy was short. And he's washing their feet. Why? Because they're dirty. But he's also setting an example. But you are com a complete, and you are clean, but not every one of you. You are clean, not every, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him, and uh, that was what he said. Not all of you are clean. But he was in the room with them. Judas had not yet departed. So guess what? Judas got his feet washed by Jesus, who he would betray. Think of it. Verse 12, and Jesus knew that he was washing the feet of the one who would betray him. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, he's not instituting foot washing. He's saying serve. Whatever it is, serve. Serve one another. Love one another. Be willing to, um, to, to go the extra mile. And he just did. Because soon they're going to understand that he washed the feet of his betrayer, Judas. Think about that. They washed 
or they watched as he was washing the feet and he got to Judas and he washed his feet and they would remember that Jesus knew who his betrayer was and yet he washed his feet anyway. They didn't know. Can you imagine if Peter knew that Judas was going to betray Jesus? Peter probably would have killed him. Peter would have taken matters into his own hand, but Jesus didn't reveal that to them. Verse 16, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. The servant isn't greater than the master. The messengers are not greater than the one that sent them. But Jesus shows them because they've had multiple arguments about who's greatest in the kingdom. And he says, you know what? Wash feet just like I have. Serve one another just like I have. 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one receives, I send, receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. He says, if you receive me, you receive the Father. He says, there's, there's coming a betrayal, and you need to remember this. You need to remember this moment that I'm about to be betrayed. And you'll think back to this moment and you'll remember that I washed the feet of my betrayer. I didn't reveal him to you, but it was to fulfill what would happen uh, in the betrayal would fulfill a prophecy all the way back to the book of Psalms. Let me read this one and then I'll close it. Psalms 41 verse 9 says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his his heel against me. Psalm 41, verse 9. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Judas would betray him, there's a prophecy, and that prophecy would be fulfilled. That the one that not trusted Jesus... The prophecy says, the one whom I trusted. Was Jesus mistaken? No. Jesus trusted him. Jesus loved him. Jesus invested in him. And he knew that he would be betrayed. The one who has eaten my bread, who will lift up his heel against me. And in just a few days, Judas would do that. The example is the example that we've been talking about from Mark chapter 10, verse 45 in this whole series. That Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And can we do anything less than serve one another? I don't think so. We're not called to give our lives on a cross, but we're called to give our lives in service to one another. So what is it that you can do today? What act of kindness or of service can you do to fulfill what God has for you. Let me pray with us. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.